Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Chuck Fletcher. Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hi, I'm Joel Fairby. Hi, this is Derek Broussard. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And, and you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Oh, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the Beatles podcast, players podcast, prognosticators podcast, the Oops, We Weren't Here for Super Bowl Week podcast. I'm Russ Joy. Find me on Twitter at Joy on Braun. I'm joined today, as always, by two buttes. I'm going to start with the man in the middle. He's the man who anchors our blue line. It's Chris Terrian. Bundy. Find him on Twitter at CTerrian6. How are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Good to be here. Um, crazy week. Busy. Uh, Flyers not so busy. A couple games on the weekend. Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, it's been a good week. My oldest daughter on Sunday was got inducted into the South Jersey Basketball Hall of Fame. So we had a, a really nice day. Really proud of her. And um, That's awesome. Yeah, really, really good. And, and uh, yeah, was, that was a South Jersey basketball tournament, which is kind of like the big tribute to kids down here. All three of my daughters actually had won the MVP of that tournament. And Isabella was the first one to get uh, out of college, so she's in. But uh, Cherokee High School has done great here with that. that and uh, it was a good weekend. And then after that, we thought we'd take that win right to the Super Bowl. And uh, I predicted, as I say, I'm going to own up to it. I thought a 41-16 Eagles uh, final, and uh, I was uh, right way off. Now, I will say one thing before I hand this off to to the reintroduction of our other counterpart. Um, I I do think if the Eagles score on that drive where Hurts fumbles the ball, I think we might see a 41-16, something like that. Uh, but the game came back 14-14 instead of 21-7, and that shifted everything. And then the end, of course, like, I don't know. I'd still be bitching if Bradbury didn't admit that he held them. Um, yeah. But I'm glad he relieved us of that very quickly Sunday night, and we could move on on our week. Congratulations to the Chiefs. Mahomes is one hell of a damn quarterback, and they uh, he's a, he's a, he's a superman. And Jalen Hurts, he's right there too. It was one hell of a game. Uh, unfortunately, just ended in that painful. Uh, we have to sit through about four minutes of real time waiting for that dreadful field goal to go through the uprights from 25 yards. Uh, but a great weekend, a great week. Flyers were off two games of the weekend, and they're back at it tonight with that uh, hole-in-hole with Seattle. Who'd have ever thought we'd have ever said that, Anthony? Philadelphia was a hole-in-hole with Seattle. And uh, so that's where we are. It's Thursday. Great to see you guys. And um, uh, great to be back on the show this week after a hiatus for Super Bowl week last week. And let's go to a man who's uh, happy the Eagles lost because his San Francisco 49ers were unsuccessful in the NFC Championship. <laughs> and that, of course, is a man who hates Philadelphia and all their teams, Anthony Sanfilippo. Find him on Twitter at AntSanPhilly. I don't even want to know how you are. Let's get into the show. So, guys. Uh, Wait, no, no, no. Just... Hold on a second. Now, hold on a second, Russell. Hold on a second, Russell. <laughs> I believe that my published prediction had an Eagles victory, correct? I don't remember. Yes, it did. So, I... I did predict an Eagles win. I just gave the caveat. I just gave the slight hedge in in the prediction that eh, this could go the other way, and it could come down to who has the ball last, getting the final draw, scoring the la- the final points, and Kansas City is good enough to take it. But I predicted that the Eagles would make a defensive stop and hold off Kansas City. I was wrong. Um, and uh, and look, it was a good Super Bowl. Um, you know. The complaint about the call at the end, I get it. Um, not because it wasn't a penalty, because it was, but because they hadn't called it. And so uh, you just ask for consistency if, with officiating, which in, we don't get in any sport, really. I mean, do we? and does any major sport have consistent officiating? I, I, don't, I don't understand why we can't. I just don't see it. And I understand some sports, things happen fast, and sometimes you miss it, but that's that's something that's, Seven guys can get together if they work together week after week after week and talk to each other and say, yeah, you know what, blah, 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 blah. This probably wasn't a penalty. But when you're putting together an all-star team of officials, quote-unquote all-star team of officials, right, and two guys don't work together, you're not as you're not as likely to go to a guy you don't work with and say, hey, you, you missed that. You got it wrong. You're just going to be, you know, hey, respect the, in our job. We're the best of what we do. Uh, if you thought you saw something, well, I'm going to believe you and let you make the call. So you don't help, you don't convince him to tip, pick up the flag. That's why you see it happen more in playoff games than you do in the regular season, and it's constant complaints. It's something that the NFL needs to fix. And the only other thing I want to bitch about from the Super Bowl, that field. Only thing. 
Oh, the field. And I mean, the Flyers Flyers might have been off, but there was a Philadelphia team on skates, and that was the Eagles. And it wasn't just the Eagles. I mean, the Chiefs were falling too, but... But it, it directly impacted the Eagles because how do you rush the quarterback? How do you get an edge if you can't get an edge? Right? Like they, they inherit like it's one thing that they shot up Mahomes with how many different drugs in his ankle. <laughs> so that so that, you know, he could be out there playing, right? Oh, no, like, no, no, no eagle was shot up with anything. You know, you know, you know what, Russ? Yeah. I basically I've never been shot up in a my life for a playoff <laughs> game or anything like that, you know. Uh, these uh, these things do tend to happen in big moments. And uh, everyone, I love the PED thing. First of all, there's no performance enhancer you can give a guy for a brutally sprained ankle. It's just literally here it is. They ice it down. They stick two needles in two different spots to numb whatever pain will hold you off for the next two hours. And I wouldn't be surprised if you found out he's probably got to get surgery or some kind of uh, of work done on it. You do what you have to do in that moment to just right. try to get through the game. Uh, but the other thing, Anthony, too, just to you know, to to go into the referee thing, I mean, you wonder sometimes now why Major League Baseball keeps whisper, whispering about robot, robot on home plate umpires, right, with the strike zone. Um, I don't ever want to see that, but it makes you wonder, you know, when they're talking about me- mechanics taking over for you know, like a, actually having like a digital reading of it rather than a human reading. Um, I don't want that, but. It's why they talk about these things because of the refereeing and the officiating that goes on in these big spots. I think what we're going to end up seeing is that more plays are going to be reviewable. Yeah, and I think even even if it comes to the Super Bowl, the final two minutes, that uh, almost any any penalty can be reviewed because what's going to happen now, and you know you know how this works, and it it happened with baseball. It's a big part of why there's instant replay in baseball. The sports betting angle to this whole thing, I mean, the amount of money that people lost, right? Like the amount of money that was on the line. The look at the total handle was up this year versus last year. All of those bets that get blown up, all of those pissed off consumers who tuned into the game, who see a play like that end up deciding not only the the margin of victory, right, but like also uh, undercutting the Eagles' ability to go back and, and do anything at the end. So there there are so many micro bets that are on there. There were so many spread bets. There were so many money line bets, the total, like the whole thing. And I'm not saying that like under any circumstances, the sports league should be taking the, the betting factor into account. But when these bet when these leagues are in bed with you know, multiple online sports book partners at some point that it's going to, it's going to cause a change of some sort. And yeah, you're, it, you know, it is what it is, you know, you're right, Russ, you're right. And I think Bundy's onto something here because we're seeing it in the NBA has already ad- adapted reviewing uh, fouls, right? Referee calls, right? Um, and NHL, you can challenge an offside or a goalie interference, like things along those, along those lines. So I think you're right. I think it's only a matter of time before you can challenge uh, or replay of something to see if it, if it was in fact a or a penalty or not in the NFL. Now that being said, by the rule book, they wouldn't have overturned that if you're able to challenge a penalty, right? Because it was correct. it was a correct call. So the, the the problem there was more consistency throughout the game as opposed to whether it was or was not a penalty by the book. So it was a bummer. I know that we were all bummed. A lot of people who are listening to our show were bummed. The the positive, this is the one thing that I said, guys, that I, I think is a, a really big positive if you're looking for a ray of optimism, is Jalen Hurts, from last year to this year, went into the offseason with a mission, with a purpose. He went from being a guy who people thought, and, and this was even me last year, I said, the Eagles are lucky that they're going to have at least one high draft pick you have the ability to go into this year, if you surround him with weapons, you're going to figure one of two things out. Either one, he's going to be able to rise to the occasion, and he's going to look like that franchise quarterback with some weapons around him. Or he's not, and you're going to know that you're going to need to get better and draft a quarterback. He proved that he can be that guy. If he was able to do that just from one year to this year, imagine how this guy is going to react, losing the Super Bowl, knowing that his fumble was part of it, right? Went the other way. Huge in, play. In, in yep. huge play, you know, he did get it back on the next drive, but still, he's going to use that as as fuel. Like, I can't wait to see what he looks like next year. It's going to be absurd. So, uh, positives there. Let's get to a team. That well, here's the, here's the biggest oh. here's the biggest positive of all, Russ. Yeah. Biggest positive of all. We're in a great time for Philadelphia sports. The Union reached the finals. The Phillies reached the World Series. The Eagles reached the Super Bowl. The Sixers could 
reach the NBA final. They're right there with Milwaukee and Boston. And then there's the hockey team. Well, I was I was going to try to keep it positive today, Anthony. We talked about this before we came on the show today. Oh, you, as you mentioned earlier, Ross Anthony hates all things Philadelphia sports. Right. He hates Philadelphia. It was a perfect segue Just, into that. He hates Philadelphia and he hates teams. It's a, it's a shame. You hate to see it. Uh, one thing that I'm not sure that people hate to see, I, I think it's actually a positive. We, we need to talk about this. I mean, the, the team is back, right? The All-Star break is over, all that. Great. Um, the, the team is still the team. Um, they... They're not getting one two one two and one on the home stand coming out of the out of the uh, uh, All Star break, which is about what you would expect with this team. Yeah, and and when you look at how they've performed since coming out of the All Star break, and you look at the teams that they played against, and you look at the the kind of talent that the their opponents have, they they have stood up you know pretty well. Um, Seattle's a good team. You you managed to kind of claw your way back into that one. It's a it's a one goal game. You had a shootout win, which never happens against Edmonton. You had an overtime loss against Nashville. You look at it and you go, all right, I mean, are there still positive signs? Yes, there are positive signs. Is this a team that we should be, you know, banking on to make the playoffs? No. Is this a team you should really want to see in the playoffs? Probably not. There are some people who are out there who continue to beat the drum of, you know, if you get into the playoffs, you have no idea what can happen. I can tell you what will happen. We can all tell you what will happen if they play against Boston in the first round. It will not be good. One thing that has come up that that is probably the biggest story of the last few days is that Comcast Spectacore brought a uh, a new guy into the fold, somebody who has local ties here, somebody who's a, a real mover and shaker, um, was uh, at Independence Blue Cross, a, a guy who's now been brought in to be a CEO. Uh, Dave Scott will remain the chairman of Comcast Spectacore um, and remain in charge of the Flyers. Uh, but Dan Hilferty got brought in, and there are a few different layers to this, and and we need to make sure that we touch on all of them. But uh, what was your initial reaction to somebody getting brought in as CEO? Dave Scott remains in, in place. Val Camilla remains in place in her role. Uh, Chuck Fletcher is still here, so one has to assume that Dave Scott's uh, good old pal uh, Chuck Fletcher is going to stay here for the trade deadline. Maybe the offseason. Maybe he'll be here for 10 years. Who the hell knows? Um, but, and, you know, when you saw this, Dan Hilferty's a name. He, he's definitely a, a, a big name, a, like I said, a mover and shaker, somebody who's got significant influence. It seems on the surface to be a hell of a hire for Comcast Spectacore. Apparently is a Flyers fan, but is not going to be in charge of anything to do with the Flyers, if I've read all of this correctly. Yeah. So, Russ, my initial reaction before I even talked it, first of all, this came completely out of left field. Like, no one saw this coming. There was no sniffing around about it. There was no people, you know, whispering in your ear, hey, there's somebody, a change coming. None of that happened. Like, nobody had it. It just came out of left field in a press release on Valentine's Day. Like, so this was a, this was a surprise to, to everybody. Um, my initial reaction before I called person one about it was, oh, maybe Comcast has finally realized something needs to change. And they're bringing somebody in to, to, to do that. Now, I knew who Dan Hilferty was. I've never interviewed the guy, but I know his track record, his background. Um, obviously, the most recent has been, you know, he was the, the point person on World Cup 2026 to get, um, uh, to get games here in Philadelphia. Uh, so, so, and it's Blue Cross for more than a decade. So, I mean, that's really, you know, he's, a, he's been a Philadelphia business power player. So, I was kind of like intrigued. I made three phone calls to three different people in the industry who would all be readily aware of, of what they're doing and what they're thinking. And every one of them said, this is a Dave Scott hire. Dave Scott brought him in and primarily 99% to do Comcast Spectacore business stuff. And, and the important thing to understand is Comcast Spectacore is not just the Flyers and the Wells Fargo Center. It is It has various tentacles that are that stretch out into a lot of different places that that fans don't even really know about right um so really his partnerships that he has created over his more than two decades experience in the city of philadelphia will really benefit um uh, comcast spectacle from that perspective but the thing that's probably the biggest and the one that nobody will say out loud within the company but really if you're if you're looking at this 
this is the answer and the pushback to the Sixers wanting to get out, you know, leave the leave their uh, home at the Wells Fargo Center when their lease runs out in about eight years, seven years, whatever it is, um, and build their own arena somewhere else. Currently, there's the you know the big talk of putting it um, uh, in Chinatown, um, but maybe putting it somewhere else potentially uh, in the Philadelphia area, which could include Camden. Um, but there are multiple discussions with that as well. But you bring in Dan Hilferty in that in that position, he now becomes the point person on keeping them at the Wells Fargo Center. And, and I think that's probably if it, it in as far as you're looking for how will Im- it impact sports, that's the that's his greatest going to be his greatest impact in my estimation from the conversations I've had. Bundy, did you have any reaction to uh, to this hire? I don't really just at all. Um, okay. I, I don't, I just, uh, no, I don't know anything about the man. I, I, uh, you know, I'm in the industry obviously with, with recovery and he was the, the CEO of independence blue cross, which is, you know, a huge provider locally and regionally for almost any kind of insurance, medical insurance. I don't know. My friend of mine called and said he used to work at the flyers and Dan was like, uh, would go to the suite a lot, probably the blue independence suite, I guess, when he worked there and just said he was like, the biggest super fanboy that you could have ever met. I, and that was actually the words my friend who worked there. I mean, he said there's, and I know like, and, and that's a huge statement because when you go in some of those suites, there are like a lot of guys that are just, you know, passionate, long time, long term wire fans. And for the, for this guy to say, this is the biggest fanboy there. It's a pretty big statement. So, you know, I mean, hopefully that that's a good thing. I, I only look at it as a good thing. I can't think like, He's a Philly guy too. You know, one of the issues I think guys that we've had, you know, looking back, just the business side of it, you know, outside of Dave, you know, Valerie, uh, you know, and and as you said, Anthony, um, I think the, when I've gone down to games this year, the business side is responsible for the marketing and the in-game experience, not the product on the ice. Right. And that's been a totally different experience for me this year. It's been better. You know, somehow they found ways to get away from the 7,000 people, whether it's through giveaways or finding a way to pique people's interest to get people out to the games, uh, understanding that if you give away tickets, somebody will spend money at the concessions and in and the gift stores and all that, but also getting people interested in Flyers hockey again. And it's a hard thing to do right now. Like, you know, I've talked to people. This is not an easy sell on the ice. And and ultimately, I think with Philadelphia, the thing that resonates the most with the fans in Philly um, is the hockey. You know, one thing I talk about when I go out and talk or hear from fans um, Philadelphia, Philadelphia is an interesting city because they really just want to go talk to their neighbor at the game and watch the sport, right? That's truly like, it's a hockey town in a lot of ways. There are certain events where, you know, like the Globetrotters, for example, they're not a pro sports team, but it's everything about it. That doesn't mean anything, even though there's a game being played, it's not really the focal point of what's taking place on the, on the basketball court for the Globetrotters. It's everything else. It's getting kids to smile. It's, it's it, the inclusivity of, of the event. It's just a lot of neat things. But for the for the for an organization like this, um, you know, you could put all the whipped cream you want on the cake and everything and make it look good on the outside, but the end result comes down to the product on the ice. And you can have the greatest movers and shakers in the world. And if there's a business part of it that maybe I don't see, or you guys, you know, with the, the Sixers and and understanding that you can't lose a client like that, or you don't want to over the course of the next nine or ten years where they build a new building. Uh, I think it's a good thing to have in there. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, Valerie, as I said, Valerie's not from here. And this is a very, very unique sports town, as we've talked about. And 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 there's some tie to the city that I think only people that have been here for a long, long period of time or have played here a long period of time or understand the community can kind of do that outreach. And it's hard. And it's nothing against anybody. You can come here from other towns. And I said before, you know, it's better to have a Philadelphia. No, you can adapt. You can you can make yourself part of the community and, and, and not be from here. And, and I think Valerie and her people have done a much, much, much better job this year. To me, I look at this as just having another arm of Philadelphia uh, out there because this team does need help right now, you know, on the business side. And, and so if this gentleman can come in here and provide some leadership, maybe maybe um, cross, uh, you know, draw a line between two dots that maybe someone else hasn't thought of, uh, then I think that's a great thing. To me, he probably, I won't say, you know, he's probably the second best hire that they've made in the last few months, and then I'll leave it at that. But, you know, I think he's got some really good things uh, that he's going to be able to bring to this team and help them bridge the gap back to the community. And uh, and when the on-ice product turns, uh, there'll be a lot of good people uh, standing there uh, in solidarity at the end of this. The, the one thing I want to address, about, you know, and I don't want to go into the weeds here, Russ, because I know that the main topic is this hire, 
of Dan Hilferty. But the one thing I'm then going don't to take say, us into the weeds. You're about. No, to I'm not going to go in the weeds because it, 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 I just want to say I want to address something Bunny brought up because I think it's it's very pertinent. Um, you know, one of the things that I've been surprised by this year with the Flyers is that it's not been seven thousand people. I mean, we had games last season where that where there were it, it was empty in that arena. In embarrassing. It, it was an embarrassing number, right? Yeah. And and they've not had that. Now they've not been selling out games by any stretch of the imagination, but they've had decent crowds, mm-hmm. considering, right? Yes. Considering that. And so I think it's 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 really um, important to point out because again, we criticize, but we also you know give props when they do something right. Even if they're giving away tickets, and I'm pretty certain that they are giving away some seats, right? And they're comping. Think, Don't forget, they're comping season ticket holders uh, games in April, in April right? right? Those three to, games to then be, roll over to next year, over next which year. is a, a nice a nice show of of good faith of of some sort. Oh yeah, although you do have to you have to uh, opt out if you don't want that. So and it's very fine print. They, they, okay, yeah, okay. Oh, we'll get into ideas. that. Yeah, we can get into that. But no, but the point is that I was trying to make it, and I think Bundy originally brought up, and I wanted to you know just highlight is even if you're giving away tickets, and yes, people are going to come in and they're going to buy you know go buy merchandise, buy concessions, whatever. The fact that the team is at least competitive. Has those people come in to watch a game, they sit there, they buy, get their snacks, they get their merch, whatever, but they watch a game, and even if the team loses, but it's a close game and they played hard and they played a tight game and gave you a little bit of excitement, that fan's going to walk away going, yeah, I'd come back. Right? As opposed to coming in and seeing an absolute total train wreck on the ice like we've had the last couple of years. So I think it's the combination of having the coach make the team play the way that they're playing with the fact that they're saying, okay, here's the business strategy that we're going to use to get people to keep coming in. I think it's, I think it's worked. Now, is that sustainable for several seasons? No, I don't think it is. It's the team's got to show improvement year over year, but for to be at, you know, to stem that tide that was nobody's coming to these games what they've done this year has has been the right approach well you just said a bunch of things that are are going to be problematic i just want to be very clear because (laughs) because from from a basic um the basic standpoint of you know not being happy with where this team is at in terms of the on ice product what you just said is what essentially will help somebody like dave scott sleep at night which is well there are people in the building and the team is close because when you say competitive, somebody who doesn't understand the sport sits back and says, well, that means we're close. And that's not what that is. No, that's not, not in the no, least no. bit. And if you had a chairman in place who were hockey competent and were able to see that, then I would say this is all ro- rainbows and smiles, except it's not. Um, I want to get back to one other thing here. So, and you know, you, you, you know this. For a long time, when we were doing the Press Row show, we used to field a ton of comments and concerns during the live stream about the building being largely empty, about there being no connection between the fans and the organization, about how the Snyder days are gone, about how everything's fallen apart. And while there are still some people who will tweet at us something to that effect, that has gone down 80-90% from where it was a couple of years ago. So on the business side, we look at it and we say, when we used to be on the Press Row Show, you used to be the one. I used to kind of jump on with you, but we used to say, well, then, you know, tweet at Val Camillo and tweet at Mike Shane and tweet at all these other people on the business side and let them know that you're unhappy. And it seems like in this past year, especially Val Camillo, who was public enemy number one, like we're going to we're going to just call it like it was for a lot of fans who were upset with where the team was in terms of organization and the disconnect of the fan base. She was somebody that was taking a lot of vitriol. Now, there were some people who said that it was all sexist and that it was a bunch of old white men who hated to see a woman in power. And then there were like rational people who said anybody who oversees this kind of disconnect is probably in the wrong. This past year, things have gotten exponentially better. Bundy in the past has been largely critical of things. He's not been critical this year of that side of things. So she's done a nice job. Dave Scott, I have absolutely nothing positive to say about at this point because we're going to go into another trade deadline where his pal Chuck Fletcher or 
you know, the the cabal, what did you call them? The network, La Cosa Nostra, that whole thing. Like, they're going to still be here. They're going to still be in power, and I'm going to hate everything. But Dan Hilferty is a big hire for this organization. He's a big hire for Comcast Spectacor, maybe not the Flyers. The one good thing is you, you sit back and you go, all right, so Bundy said that, uh, you know, his contact had said that Hilferty was like the biggest fanboy. And a lot of times we think of the term fanboy as being derogatory. I, I think of that more as derogatory when you're talking about oh, the media, when you're talking about the media. And I think what you were, what you meant by the term of endearment, like genuinely, yeah, like he's a huge fan, huge likes the yeah. players, you know, likes you likes the Philadelphia Flyers and the brand that was created, and, and has been a fan probably his whole life, and that's what I meant, and I mean it is a good and, thing. And so yeah. what that means is, if if even if Hilfery has nothing to do with hockey ups, which it sounds like he will not, if he is at least a quasi intelligent human being, which I think you have to be if you were the CEO at Independence Blue Cross, right? Mm-hmm. If you are truly a mover shaker. If you've been a fan your whole life and you watch what this team has been for the last four or five years, at least going back, you can go back a decade if you want. He at least has to say to somebody like this ain't good, guys. Like, I I love this team, but this ain't it. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. I don't know. The big thing. And Anthony, you mentioned this off the top. The Hilferty hire is big for Comcast Spectacor in terms of the Sixers, the Sixers relationship, because if you remember, this came out not that long ago. But the, the Sixers had begun working with David Adelman. Now, Adelman was that guy, and I think we talked about it on this show, uh, in terms of the, the potential move to Chinatown. Uh, Adelman is a big mover shaker in like the real estate side of things, big ties to Philadelphia. It was viewed as like his being brought on by the Sixers was going to be the thing that probably makes Comcast Spectacor shake in their boots a little bit, right? That, that, that could be seen as an almost... Um, power play by the Sixers. Well, Hilferty's an even bigger power player. Maybe not in real estate, but just overall. So if there's one person who can go into these meetings that are going to obviously take place over the next few years and could maybe swing the balance of power back in Spectacor's favor, I, I would assume that's going to be a big part of what Hilferty is being brought in here to do. So it's a big win for Spectacor. I don't think it changes much on the flyer side of things. I don't think it changes anything in terms of the hockey op side. But it's a big win for Spectacore. Now, guys, we we do have to talk about there is a there's a team that does play in the Wells Fargo Center. And they're less than a month away from the trade deadline. And based on the fact that a new CEO was just installed who has nothing to do with hockey ops, and the fact that um there have been no mentions uh of any kind of change happening on the hockey ops side. We are now pretty safe to assume that not only will Chuck Fletcher go through this trade deadline, but he will also make it into the offseason. Now, whether or not he's still there for the draft remains to be seen. If, if we're reading the tea leaves here correctly, it would appear as though there is no plan, as long as Dave Scott is the one who has final say on it, to make a change in the front office. And I, I just have to ask you guys, I, I feel like at this point I'm probably biased. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just blinded by sheer vitriol and hatred of many of the moves that have and have not been made here through Chuck Fletcher's tenure. Are you surprised in any way, shape, or form that it appears as though Chuck is going to stay here after overseeing some bad teams, some huge losing streaks, some dismal hockey with no real shot at the future? Are you guys surprised he's going to get another trade deadline? I I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we said it last year. I'm going to be totally honest. I mean, and it's, you know, I know a lot of the hockey people in office. Yeah, I'm stunned, to be quite honest with you. I mean, it's not, this is a team that that needed something completely different long ago, uh, even into a couple of years. So I don't, you know, I'm not sure what's going on, guys. Like, But, you know, and that's not my business. Like, I, I talk about it, but am I surprised? Yeah, I'm, I'm really am surprised. Uh, you know, I mean, you got, you, it's not like we're going to go back into like, you know, where we had three years of Minnesota hockey. That was like the most dynamic in the history of the league. And, and we're, we're going on that. It's not there. There's no resume in the history of the body of work that suggests that this is going to be a turnaround and we're going to be able to get a multitude of talent. This is going to be a quick flip. The greatest quick flip that I've ever pro- probably seen in hockey was the, like the worst of the playoffs by Homer and. 2007 and that's a miracle in a cap age that was the beginning of the cap age you know like kind of first few years into it 
Um, but am I, yeah, am I surprised he's going to be the guy here at the helm of another deadline? Absolutely, completely stunned by it. I mean, if you're going to do make changes, uh, those changes should have been made because what is going on? Guys, there's moves going on around the league already that have been happening. I mean, the Bull Horvat, that's a move you need to pre, you know, predetermine, evaluate two months, a month before and say, where's our team? Yeah, I don't know anything that's going on. Maybe we surprise us, and, and, but a good trade deadline for this right now is a salary dump. That's what I consider a good trade deadline. If you can get back one, maybe two guys, maybe two that you think could be part of your future, great. But one would be a bonus with a salary dump. And if he hasn't started moving on it, man, I'll tell you what, because there's about 12 other teams that are trying to do the same thing. And they got the same pieces that the Flyers have. Uh, maybe less money that's more enticing to another team. You know, you start getting into the nitty-picky. People say, well, why did you spend $7.5 on that guy or 6 on that guy? You didn't probably – maybe you didn't need to if you're trying to make a change like Kevin Hayes is that number. But there's somebody else like a Kevin Hayes that's making 5 and a half or 4 and a half that somebody's actually trying to dump as well uh, on another team. So these are the problems that, that arises – and um, and these are the moves that you've had to start looking at a while ago and determining what your team wants to look. You're not, you can, I'll hand it to you in a second. You can't come in this deadline and go, okay, we're going to transform and transfix what the future of our team's going to look like at this deadline. You're not. This is another infancy stage move to get to where you want to be in maybe four or five years of, of a rebuild. You know, like even towards a couple weeks ago, you know, and I said it. I, I went on and they said, you know, he said, oh, we see some players developing coming. We do. There's no doubt. The young, some young guys have, have made strides and there's some pieces to like. But this team sorely and desperately needs talent and players. And, uh, you know, that will build with the uh, competitiveness of Torts for three more years he's got. As I said before, and I believe this, Torts will probably have, I mean, probably, he will have nothing to do with whatever championship happens in Philadelphia. He won't be at the helm of it uh, because they're not going to be able to re put this back together in time, but they're on the right path. And if they can, every move they make and every time they get into the draft or the free agency in the summer, they have an opportunity to make the team better. And that's why that they have to absolutely have and know who those hockey people are that are going to put your team on the right track uh, to success. And, and, and before you jump in, he mentioned one player who I think had been a comp in some ways to Travis Konechny, and that was, that was Bo Horvat. They're not the same player, but the, the thought out there had been, all right, Philadelphia and Vancouver were in relatively similar positions, right? Like we, we've talked about that a bunch of times. There are a lot of parallels between the teams and they were willing to move off of Horvat. And I, I know that there were the rumors that they had just kind of locked in on the Islanders and there wasn't really much of a bidding war. They kind of went on that deal, but there doesn't seem to be any indication that the Flyers are active right now in terms of, you know, shopping say Travis Konechny for example like we there, there's nothing right now and it almost makes you feel the same way that it's felt in recent years which is like does Chuck Fletcher legitimately wait until two days before the trade deadline before he really starts having these calls like do, does he just is he a last minute guy I can't imagine I mean he's he's incredibly milk toast. he's so boring like I have to think that like there there is a longer process that plays out here but man it, it just Feels like rinse repeat again. So I'll, I'll go back to you, Ant. You know, like, are you surprised that he's getting another deadline? And what do we think? Like, yeah, yeah. like, like Bundy. I'm, I'm, well, I've been stunned, right? I've been stunned that he's that he's still here. Um, but I will say this: and this is where I'll veer slightly off that path. Looking around the NHL, and yes, we've had a couple of big moves with Horvat and Tarasenko, right? Those were the two big ones that have happened in the NHL so far. Um, I, when looking at what's going to happen at the deadline, I, I don't think there's going to be much else that's major. I think teams right now, and this is this is just the nature of the sport and the position that they've put themselves in with the salary cap being what it is currently and with retention of contracts being limited um, to 50% or being also saying that it ha whatever you say it has to be now, it has to be, you've got to eat that much over the remainder of the length of the contract. Like you can't tier it. You can't say we'll eat 50% year one, 30% right. year two, 10%. you can't do that. Whatever number you pick, it has to be at the whole time. 
So the way that the, that, the, that the rules are in place, teams are looking for rentals at the deadline. If you're going to move a contract, now look, can they move JVR yet? But he's in his last year. Um, if you're going to move a contract like a Kevin Hayes, if you're going to think about the potential of trading Travis Connecting, I don't see them happening. Hayes maybe more because maybe maybe you could see him going at the deadline. But at the, but I really I think that's a less than fifty percent, and I think Connecting is even lower because I think this is a, a, a situation where you're not going to be able to get what you want for those players, especially Connecting um, at this deadline. Now, can you do that in the offseason? Yeah, you can, absolutely. Um, so uh, am I when I say I'm surprised, I'm certainly surprised he's still in this position, but I have been for a long time. But no, looking and seeing what the landscape is in the NHL, I don't think it hurts you that he's still there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think he can screw this up more. He could do nothing. But nothing is is not going to hurt you more than what you're where you're at right now, right? If you do nothing, this team is what it is right now, and it's going to be what it is right after now, right? So, so it can't it can't get worse. I mean, you're not going to he's not trading for somebody else's contract, get another bad contract. He's not going to give up young use. He's not going to give up draft picks. Like those things are not happening here. So he can't hurt the team further. But he could, you know, the negative could be it doesn't improve the team. So maybe I could sit here saying, okay, I can see why this doesn't concern the upper management as much. I would be floored, floored if he's still running the show in the summer. That to me would be like that's negligence of the highest sort. That is your that is your line, Ross. That is your institutional arrogance. Or institutional organizational malpractice, organizational malpractice, whatever of your of your famous two word sayings that you use, that would be that keeping that keeping him in place. Right. So to me, the deadline is what it is, and you hope that they can do something to get rid. Of, and like Bundy said, you hope you can get some cap relief, but that's all you can really hope for at this point. I don't think you're going to get much. I think you could get a maybe middle round draft picks for for a guy like yeah, yeah. Just like maybe you get a draft pick. Okay, great, that's fine. Okay, and that's nobody's another... going to do you a favor, right, Anthony? Nobody's right. Gonna... Nobody's going to do you a favor. Nobody's right. Nobody did him a favor in the off season. Nobody did him a favor then. No, nobody's fault. Here's so, Ant. Like I, I think I largely agree with you, which is weird, but I, I do think. Wow. I do think that there is damage that he could do, right? And 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 there are, there are two levels to this. One. Here's damage he could do, Amp, because this is what this man has shown he does, all right? He locks mediocre players into contracts for term and value that they would have gotten on the open market, all right? He he has consistently done that. He could just as easily trade away a future asset or two. If this team is six points out of a playoff spot or eight points out of a playoff spot, are you going to honestly look me in the eye and tell me that Chuck Fletcher is not going to look to make a move to improve this team's possibility of getting into the postseason. No, I don't think so. I think that the I think that the the organization putting the Tortorella letter out signifies that that will not happen. Then there's no reason for him to be here, because this gets to my other point. Well, you're right. You're right. And but we this all, this, we all this gets that. because what you've done is snip snip. All right, you've now emasculated your GM, your president of hockey ops, because if the idea is hey. John Tortorella put out this letter that went through 17 different levels within Comcast to make sure that that could go out publicly. They knew what the public ramifications would be of the coach releasing the letter, not the president of Hockey Ops. The works. They know how this works. You you have essentially undercut his power, right? Because optically, the coach is the one who's telling you what the future plan is going to be. If I'm to believe that this organization is at least intelligent enough to know this team isn't good enough to make the playoffs, or if they did, they'd get their doors blown off. And you're hamstringing your GM and president of Hockey Ops saying, like, you can't make any moves. You can't you can't make moves to acquire to try to get us closer to the playoffs. Then you're essentially saying, like, we don't trust this guy. And it's not that you don't just trust him now. It would then appear that you don't trust him in the future. And I guess my, my whole thing here is the damage he can do is there are moves that could potentially be made for the future of this team 
that he should not be part of. And if you've already identified that you want Danny Briere to take over, for example, then give Danny the trade deadline. Because that would then that would then imply that you're going to let Danny have this job for a year or two. All right, well then, start the transition now. Allow him to make those moves with a vision. If he and Tortorella are aligned in their vision, then don't waste the time. Here's a good trade deadline. Perhaps there is a move to be made. But it needs to be made by somebody who's going to have a future with the team. If that person doesn't exist, then like I just still don't see the point of having Chuck here at all. I just don't see it. I, I don't I don't think he can do irreparable harm. Try as he might. But I don't I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. Every day that he's here is a waste if he's not going to be here next year. And by the way, if he is here next year, the whole thing's a waste anyway. Like I uh, then then we just go like doesn't matter how many CEOs you hire. Doesn't matter how many high level execs you hire. All right? Because at that point, then it's like I don't know. You know, they always have people joking like does does he have pictures? Of Dave Scott. No, right. I don't think he does. I don't, we don't think he does. Is Chuck Fletcher, like, is is he sending him, like, like exotic scotch? Yeah. Is he sending him Cuban cigars? Is he, like, what are we doing here, you know? So, I think that's the frustration. I And I think it's fair. If you're a Flyers fan out there and you're like, hey, I, 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 don't, I don't see a vision here. Why is this guy overseeing another trade deadline? I, I think that's fair to be concerned that, like, what if he does make a move? Like, I'm not saying a big move. What if he makes a fringe move and goes out and gets another third pair defenseman or goes out and gets another bottom six forward and it costs you draft capital? Well, then, yeah, yeah, draft capital, but it costs you a third round pick. Costs sure. Right. That's a waste. There's no sure. reason. Sure. You know? You're right, but I think that's a real hypothetical, Russ. And if, if look, if in, if in two and a half weeks, because the deadline's coming up at the beginning of March, if in two and a half weeks, we're, that's the situation... I'll be the first one to come on here and be like, what the hell are you doing? Like, what what, are, what the frig is going on? Is there nobody over there who knows what the hell they're doing? Like, that, I will say those words. But I don't, I, I think that you're, you're putting out a hypothetical here that is a very slim chance of happening. And it, sure, I guess. He you know, get a Nate Thompson. And and like, but, but here's the thing. Like, what, say he goes out and gets like a Nate Thompson of sorts, right? He, he trades a mid-round pick. Because no, they decide that, that this is a good culture move to wrap no, up a season. I don't, I don't see that. Just I don't, but he's no, got no. those people already here. He's got those okay. people already here. Okay. So now I don't. I don't. That's not something like that's not going to happen. No, I think that they're going to. They're, they're a seller. I mean, look, they're eight points out of a playoff spot now. Now, granted, Washington's got some issues because Ovechkin had to leave the team, and who knows when he's coming back? He's got a, a family health situation. You know, hopefully, everything's okay with it, with that. But even with Washington maybe potentially now falling out of it, you still have six other teams that you got to jump over. So they're not going to, they're not going to be in it. Plus, you look at the schedule, and the schedule is brutal. They don't beat good teams, Russ. They don't. They don't win against teams. They got a lot of games left against good teams. Yeah, there's a few in there against teams that are you know down on the bottom. But they don't beat good teams. They beat the bad teams. And so, you know, okay, you keep beating the bad teams and maybe you win a couple against the good teams. That's not going to be enough to, to vault six other teams and get in, in the playoff spot. So I don't think it's going to happen at all. I don't think it's going to happen that they're going to get there. I don't think that they, they think that they're going to do it. But look, if you're right and, and I'm wrong, holy shit, we're going to have a, a, a torches and, and, and pitchforks episode right after the trade deadline because i'll be honest with you that's what it would that's what it would have to come to like we would we would really have to go over there and start throwing stones at the at the windows of of the skate zone right in order to to still the goalie does not approve the uh the attack of the wells fargo center or (laughs) skate zone uh by means of stones or anything else um all right so good we have hope there's a lot of hope that's what we've that's what we've walked away from and I swear to God, I said it before the show that we were going to be positive today. That everything's going to well, rainbows. I, I did want to ask Bumby one thing po- about positivity. I want to seriously. I, I, you know, we we really didn't dive into. That. Like I said, there were four games. Um, sadly, I couldn't go to any of them because guess what? I had COVID again last week. <laughs> did you? <laughs> I did. Going, going around now. Uh, I did. I mean, I was, I was fine. I mean, I uh, I had two days where I didn't feel great, but it was mostly like just, just kind of head cold. No, don't remember, Bumby. Two years ago, I almost died. Dude, you're a you're you're dude. You're a two time survivor. This is my two time. I survived it twice. 
Yeah, this this asshat. This this guy over here. No, no, he didn't just have the Rona the first time. He was on his deathbed. He was like, he was was essentially he was about to die. His sister sent me and Kyle Scott a a text or an email or something saying like it's really bad. Uh, he he, bad 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 in the ICU. I'm saying we're crying. I'm crying during my prep period, thinking that I'm about to like lose my friend. And then, you know, I'm like trying to get in touch with his kids, like to figure out if they're okay, doing the whole thing. And then this asshole gets out and he's like, oh, I guess I'm, I guess I'm okay. I'm okay. So <laughs> now I had no idea he had the Rona. And now I have to admit, I'm an asshole too. Cause Bundy, I don't know if you knew this or not. Aunt's birthday was three days ago. And I, when it was your birthday, I put out publicly, everybody wished Bundy a happy birthday. And because of the Super Bowl, and I guess because everything you know, is sad and all that, I miss Aunt's birthday. Aunt, happy birthday. Thank you. Hope all the people who listen to the show wish you a happy birthday. But Thank you. a two-time survivor. He's a survivor. He's gonna make her. Anyway, I found out about Anthony. Because so when I when I did stop with the Flyers, right? It was 2020. Toward you know, and, and I said uh, it was it was that time. I said, listen, I really would like to try to have a podcast, someone to talk to. And so I think I called Zach. I said I'd like to get a hold of Anthony San Filippo to see if I if they need anyone else to help join Snow the goalie. And and he's like, dude, Anthony's like on his deathbed. And then yeah. Bill Meltzer's like, yeah, Anthony Sanfilippo ain't gonna make it. And I'm like, shit, how am I gonna get on a podcast now? I can't, I, got, I got to tell you <laughs> the funniest thing. Now here I am. I mean, I, and this is it's true. It is true. I mean, I mean, I wrote a whole big story about it right two years ago that it was it was pretty touch and go. But I was actually at the time I didn't realize how bad it was because they had me on the high flow oxygen. So I'm actually in the hotel. I mean, I'm in the hotel, in the hospital, feeling pretty good. Like, I mean, I'm in, in the bed. I know I have COVID, but I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get through this. I'm actually feeling all right. And I'm watching the game, the flyer. I got the flyers on. And I hear JJ, like, give this, like, how we're pulling for Anthony Sanfilippo to come out of this and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, who the hell? What? Who told the flyers that I was, like, in the hospital? To, and I found out it was this guy, Russ, putting out the big tweet. Like that, oh, I'm going to, like, like he's not doing well. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> like, I'm okay. I'm all, I'll be all right. I'll be fine. But again, I didn't know how bad it was in the moment. I found out more after I got out of the hospital. But um, <laughs> I was in the moment, I was like, what is happening? What is the world coming to that everybody thinks I'm dying? So, but well, now, 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 pal, and we're sure glad. Yeah, no, but the positive thing, I, I've got off track there. Uh, but the positivity. positivity. You know, so the team, yeah, you're going positive. Yeah, I, but I mean, you know, I I did watch all four of those home games. I, I'm sure you watched all four, or at least most of them. Um, the one thing I, I do want to say is, is I really like the way that they're playing team defense, Bundy. Yeah, and I and yeah, and, and, yeah. I mean, I mean, look, there's mistakes that are going to happen, right? Guys are going to turn the puck over. They're going to do something stupid. They've had a couple periods where they look like shit, right? I mean, let's be honest. But at the same time. In general, over the course of the of these four games, I thought that they really played good team. D. They can't score. They have no offensive ability. Their power play blows. But if there's something to build on, it's the fact that they're getting good goaltending from Carter Hart and the team's playing solid defensively with a group of defensemen that I didn't think could get to this point. And and the team concept of, of players that are a bunch of third and fourth line guys, if we're being honest, all playing pretty good against some really good competition. So I remember like going back many, many years, and it's it, that's a, a totally fair point and absolutely one that's a correct statement. And it's funny, I started, we used to talk with Jonesy, you know, as we were broadcasting together, traveling, and we used to say, you know, defense is a part of a game where you get, like, it's the one thing a coach can get you on as a player in hockey is that if you're not, well, look at Kevin Hayes and Konechny early in the year, right, where they were defensively lapsing and maybe we're still had some of those bad things. And Konechny's, done better and he's he tried but again what i think one of the biggest things um with that is that when you have a a, um, a group of guys that are not mega talents offensively you can get them to buy in defensively <clears throat> and that's where you can kind of hold their feet under the fire saying like if you're not going to be good enough defensively then you're not going to be really playing and if you're not playing then you have no chance of getting points to make yourself look better on the board that it's one thing i will tell you it's a whole lot easier playing defense that it is getting a point every, you know, three out of four games or having like 60 points a year, 50 points a year. 
it's a lot easier to get a guy to buy in defensively. So at this point, I think Torts really, guys, has spent the first 50 games installing a defensive system, and it just takes that long to buy in from the absolute disaster we saw last year where there was no anything. And then you add a compete level, the competitive, you know, the competitiveness to the group, um, and you got a team that looks like it gets through, can get through the regular season without being blown out eight nothing, or you know, like to the Rangers when we saw that or whatever it was. So that's what happened. But and you said it exactly; they just don't have the players that are going to be able to fill the net on a regular nightly basis. It may happen once in a while. We don't make something on the other team, goaltenders off, or they get a, a myriad of chances. But defense, you can keep games close. And after you evaluate, it's the same thing as me when I look at the team. I don't have to be John Tortorella to know that the only chance this team has is to go back into a defensive type of system while also trying to score. They've outshot teams most nights, you know, maybe like 28 to 25. Some nights they get mixed up. And then when it goes to overtime, even though they won the shootout, they usually get dominated in the three-on-three because it goes down to the skilled players on the other team against the Flyers' top skilled players, and they don't have the skill level that other guys have, even at the top end of their line. Those are those are reality. I mean, that's a reality of it. That's not just being mean. That's just saying, stating exactly what it is. So for Torts to do what he did, I commend him for the defensive um, system that he's had in, guys buying into it. Uh, it's been a lot of everybody. They've done a good job taking shots and opportunities out of the middle of the ice almost every night. Uh, it's not just been the defense, but it's been the group of forwards helping them as well. Uh, and coupled with some good goaltending too. Carter Hart's played excellent in a couple of games. But those are games, and you said it, Anthony, one, two, and one on that homestand but very bearable games. You know, like you could actually go down to the Wells Fargo Center and have an enjoyable night and, and watch a pretty decent hockey game. And that was my biggest pissing match and, and moaning last year with what the team was, was, you know, they just weren't competing and they had no talent. I mean, that's like, you know, that's the worst combo you can find in sports. No talent and no effort. And that's literally what we witnessed in last season. And that's why you saw 6,000 people at games. This year's different, and you could show it that the culture in Philadelphia, towards at least showed people Philadelphia give enough of a crap about an effort and solid, you know, having a solid base of what at least you're trying to do every night, even if you don't have the talent, will make you proud enough, like he said in the letter, that at least he can come down and bear witness to a game where we're not going to embarrass you as fans. He's forcing and he's forcing he's forcing the opponents to play. He is, and and, and they know right. that coming in, yeah, because the other coach, I'll tell you what they're saying. I know exactly what they're saying when they come into Philly because they're saying, listen, guys, this is a fucking team that has no talent. They are not they're not going to wow you out of your seats, but they're going to work their balls off. That's exactly what the coach can say. They're going to work their balls off. They're going to give it a max effort, and if you're not ready to play, you're going to lose. And that- right. We got 52 minutes into the show before Bundy dropped an F-bomb. We were so close. <laughs> we were so close. I had the over. I had the over on forty on forty, so it was good. Oh, you guys are playing that game now. I don't. Oh, I had to say it. I was saying no. I, th- that word wasn't on my mind. It was never in my crawl space. It just flowed out. Was it? He was impersonating. He was acting. He was impersonating was. a coach. That's right. It wasn't, it wasn't me. It was. I was uh, impersonating. A coach. He was impersonating a coach. That's right. Okay. So that's and that's exactly what the coaches are saying. And I've, I've been there. Yeah. We're like, guys, if you're not ready to play, you're going to get stung. And, and I think that the message is received. Because remember, the other thing is you got the Flyers competing hard, which you want the other team putting an effort in too to make the game more exciting. And that's right. what Quartz has brought out of the entire group. And, and I think that's why they got off to such a good start. Because I think teams came in thinking, oh, it's the Flyers. And they got they a little surprised, right? And so now, but now we're at the point of the season where it's like, no more surprises. We know the Flyers are going to play hard. So we have yeah. to play our game. But if we play our game, we can beat them, and that's what's that's what's going to happen on most nights. But the Flyers are going to are going to stay within a goal or two. They're not going to get like Bundy said. They're not going to get blown out uh, on the regular. I mean, it might happen here or there, but on the regular, it's not. Uh, Russ, I know we want to wrap this up. Um, yep. I know Bundy's got somewhere to go, and, and I got other stuff to do too. But we did have what two it's in my basement? I have nothing to do. Two new five stars? Is that true? We had one because we it, it's one because uh, we we now have multiple people who are trying to pull a Lee C. And go back and do new reviews, and that includes uh, Totoro, who left the oh, new five star review. But I recognize the name Totoro. I believe Totoro has left multiple in the past. Uh, but I will shout out Totoro here for saying that uh, we're the best weekly Flyers podcast every Friday. That's when we've been releasing. I, I, I do think that just in general, we're going to aim to go more midweek from this point on. It's just been very busy. It's Bunny's. Well, uh, I was his. And I was Bunny's sick. got. Bunny's got his work. Aunt was sick. Yeah, I, I had to tell you guys. I had 
the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl, when you write about sports betting, is as I, I think I had like 90 something things to write last week, but it was like 60 of them were for Sunday. And so my entire mid to end of last week was just hell. I don't expect anybody to like, you know, play the violin for me. All right. It's not like I'm, I'm not like on the 15th story of a skyscraper, you know, like trying to build something big. Right. But it was rough. Anyway, we got one here from, we've got one here from midweek, by the way, I, I will say this, not that we should be discussing this particularly on air, but I will say this midweek is probably better moving forward. Um, because I'm going to, I want to make this announcement. And I know some of the, the Philly fans are going to roll their eyes, but Crossed Up is coming back. I know. Here you go. So here you go. So there you go. Roll your eyes. But Rust, I got. I, I don't want to announce what the changes are because Bob and I are going to actually record it and put it out there. To, uh, we're actually recording it to, tonight, and then we're going to put it out there for tomorrow. But it's coming back with a new uh, approach, with a new uh, setup and how we're going to do it, and. A third person. Wow. Joining the show. That's big, big news. Yeah. So there you go. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it'll happen. Yeah. So we're going to do, so do, do them on Mondays and fr- we'll put out on Mondays and Fridays. So the middle of the week is better for Snow the Goalie. If you so how about that? We'll, we'll go back to a nice model where you can find a podcast that's somehow affiliated with one of us. And that's good. It's very good. I like that. I dig that. All right. So Levin Junkie left a five-star review. said, reason for low ratings. Boys love the pod. It's a go-to every episode. Regarding the low ratings, Ant is right. It's the TV deal. I used to watch hockey five or six days a week. No more. Don't know what the TV schedule is anymore. And when the Flyers are blacked out for ESPN+, Plus, I never watch. The move to streaming is a bad idea. I remember what happened to boxing. Everyone used to know who the heavyweight champion was. When they went to pay-per-view, they marginalized the sport. Now no one anymore knows who the champion is. Haven't known for 20 years. Hockey's deliberately marginalizing the sport by moving to predominantly streaming with only local games or very few games, either on TNT or ESPN, only two times a week. Add to that the fact that Google no longer includes TV coverage other than ESPN Plus in the results, and it's not even on my radar anymore. I'm not alone. It's not a mystery. It's not the game. It's the TV deal they did. They're marginalizing their own game. It's an interesting take. I I will say I I don't 100% agree with it because I think that streaming is what we're going to always have. And then, of course, what... uh, something that's going to come up in a future conversation on this show is the, the death of the regional sports network. I mean, it's, it's coming. Um, but Valley's, coming. Valley's network, right? All Valley's, Valley's about, networks are about to go, about to go bankrupt. Up. Right. Yeah. So, and, it's, and, it's and, it's I think, yeah, and it's going to impact, it's going to impact NBC. I mean, it's, it's going to happen. It so could perhaps influence NBC sports, Philadelphia, where you yeah. watch your team, your town, your Philadelphia. Sports. So streaming is streaming is going to be how games are, are viewed. But I don't disagree with him about the fact that people just, they won't, you know, who are used to doing it a certain way, unless they're a hardcore fan, they're not going to go find it. They don't, if you're a casual fan, you just kind of like, yeah, whatever, I'll wait till the next time. And that's the thing, and I was a little surprised, I got to be honest with you, I, I spoke with a few people who are more in your age range, Russ, you know, younger than Bundy and I, but maybe a little bit older than you, but mid, mid-30s, who are, you know, people who watch sports including hockey who have not been cord cutters which surprised me i kind of thought it was this it was a young person thing and multi no no they still have comcast xfinity or they still have verizon fios or whatever and that's what they still use and i think that and maybe it's just the air the market that we're in and being so traditional and, and parochial and the way we do things we're so accustomed to doing it a certain way we we're, we're adverse to change Maybe there are not enough people in this market who just don't want to change from what they've known their whole lives. And and as casual fans, they don't want to go find that yeah. ESPN Plus game or they don't want to, oh, I got to go get YouTube TV or Hulu. Or, what is that? How does that work? And, like, and, I, I, you know what, though? The other, the other night, and, and fair, like ESPN too, right? They got to get their shit together. Seriously. Terrible. Like, terrible. I, I watched the game this week. and I'm going to say, I don't even care. It was St. Louis and Florida. I'm. I'll say it. It was the worst broadcast I've heard in sports in 20 years. Wow! Wow! Absolutely hideous to make that the national game and listen to that was like a. It was like nails on a chalkboard. 
And I, I, I was, I could not believe that that is what ESPN, who, who whether they bitch about their numbers or whatever with the league, puts that that, that on TV with that on a national broadcast. And it was an embarrassment to the sport of hockey. And as a color analyst before, it was an embarrassment as a broadcast. Are you willing? Do you? I mean, I don't know who did. Do you, who was the team? It was Leah Hextall and, and Ray. And it was, oh, okay. and again, I mean, she gets it on TV a lot. But I, I was listening. Like, I could not believe it was a hockey game. If you closed your eyes, and the score were wrong, called out um, wrong stats, wrong storylines, um, just really, really bad. And that's, and you're trying, but remember, and I'm not saying it to disparage a person. I mean, I've had rough nights on a broadcast. You believe me, it happens. You know, rough in the games in the NHL get right. toasted. Underwear on the it's I'm hanging up because I got toast. It happens, but it's happening a lot. And if ESPN is trying to sell the product to North America, especially the U.S., you have got to put your best and brightest on that because yeah. you're just turning away fans. You cannot get a new fan and, 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 that broadcast. And not only that, I don't like their studio show. I think it's wow. Like, what? I think it reminds me a little bit of the early days of of like uh, when Bill Clement used to work with the guys. Uh, Bill Clement, like at what was that show called? The Outdoor Life Network. OLN. Yeah. OLN. OLN. I know, but it looks like that where Jonesy came in. It does. It looks like like that '70s show kind of like the set. It's very sanitized. Like I don't think it's. I, I don't think that there's a lot of meat on those bones. I think that those they just get through segments. It's yeah. just Kind of like say something and get through it. And and. It, yeah, he's in a huge. Correct. They have a human pom pom and John Buchagras, who's like I guess great for hockey. Maybe he has a kid that plays somewhere. It sure seems like it. Yeah. But if they didn't have him out there, like with a holding a pom pom and like rah rah every week, I don't even know if ESPN would really. ESPN hasn't cared about hockey in twenty some years, and everybody recognizes it. This is a trying to money grab. They're trying to make money off it. It's not about their love for the sport of hockey. Yeah, and I think and I think TNT, they've had their issues too, but at least they're trying. Like I get it in the sense that TNT is trying, right, to get it right. They've screwed up a couple times with their broadcast, but they're trying, and, and they're at least their studio show has an entertainment value to it. it there's there's a relationship between those guys on that set, right? And then and whether it's you know who's poking fun at who on the whatever, and that's okay. And it's something that they took from their NBA, and, and it's it's nowhere near as good as the NBA broadcast, you know, the pregame show, which is or uh, studio show, which is awesome. Yeah, but it's got that element, right? And that, so at least they're trying to get there. So I give TNT some more time. ESPN should know better. ESPN should absolutely know better. And there they are. You're right. They are dropping the ball. Yeah, TNT yeah, and Russ, your point too. I found out that that point you made about the wrestling thing that is real. Like yeah. that TBS the followers gone to TNT. I mean, that's a huge thing. Anyway, we go on on and on, but uh, it's it's brutal. It's absolutely yeah. brutal. And and guys, like here's the shame, right? Like and and, and it's. It's one of those um, it's one of those things that people whisper that they don't want to say full bodied or full voice on social media that care about the league or care about the sport, but like this is this is bad. It's all bad. Yeah. Um, the whether you want to call it the sanitization of the sport, you want to talk about the product on the ice, you want to talk about the the lack of ability to market stars, whatever you want to call it. Like this league is like dying, and 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 it's dying for somebody to, to just come and like give it a shock, right? To kind of shock it back to life. And that's what this, the, the TNT and the ESPN deals are supposed to do. And, and they've done the exact opposite. I mean, it's not just that it's, you know, must watch. Like that, that would be one thing. This is like, I, I could just get by by not watching at all. This to me almost feels like the national version of how I, I feel about like NBC Sports Philly in terms of pregame coverage and intermission or halftime for the Sixers or whatever and postgame, I just don't care. I don't watch. It's of, of no consequence to me. But like I, I find nothing currently drawing me to watching TNT's coverage or ESPN's coverage of the league or even sticking with it, you know, when the when the, the Flyers are on a national TV game, whenever that happens. Like I I I have no reason to stick around to watch it. Last night you Chicago and Toronto. I don't want to watch that game. I know Chicago yeah. is a brutal hockey team. Yeah, they're yeah. terrible. So, anyway. yeah, but that that goal that goal song though. Uh, all right, guys, I think that's probably a good spot to. 
a good good spot to end. We're yeah. we, we went just over an hour. Um, you know, if you're listening, if you made it all the way to the end of the show, which apparently a lot of people do per the analytics of our episodes, uh, thanks for thanks for watching. Thanks for sticking it out here with us. But um, you know, reach out to us on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter uh, at Snow the Goalie at Ansan Philly at Cetarian Six at Joy on Broad. All of our uh, profiles are in the description of this episode. You just click on it and you can go right over there and follow us. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash snowthegoalie. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Pandora. By the way, I know that this has been an issue for quite some time. You know, We had that very brief run when we were doing the 610 ESPN show, and where we were working with uh, the Hockey Podcast Network. Yeah. And for a while, they had a secondary feed where we were like sending them from the vault episodes. When you would go on to Apple Podcasts or to Spotify, there would be like our actual show, and then there'd be like the one that had the Hockey Podcast logo. They have since, I mean, I had to ask them many times, but they finally took that feed down. So if you go on and if by chance you somehow subscribe to the wrong feed, there's only one feed now to subscribe to. So there's that. Um, guys, I don't know if we're going to do this or not. I did just start a TikTok, not for Snow the Goalie. I started it for the uh, the wrestling podcast that I'm currently working on. Right now it's only on Twitter and it's on TikTok and it's on Instagram. It's just wrestling. You can look for it. It's great. But uh, if I figure out TikTok which I'm not saying there's guarantee that I will. If I do figure it out, uh, then I might explore potentially doing a TikTok for Snow the Goalie. I do want to know, though, if you're out there and you listen to the show, if you're on social media, if you're on Twitter or Facebook or or Instagram, if you follow us there, let us know if you would watch stuff that goes on TikTok. I don't know how to feel about it. I mean, like, I feel old for TikTok, and then there's YouTube, so I don't know. Uh, Bundy's got a youthful personality, and there's nothing redeeming uh, no. about you. Um uh, you want me to dance on the TikTok? I'll dance. Buddy, I would love that. No, please don't. I don't need you to go back in the hospital with COVID, you know, 2.0. And like, My daughters will do anything you want on TikTok, Russ, uh, for a very, very low fee. I can assure you of that. So all you got to do is really get them going is just tell them. I tell you know what I do with my daughters? I'm going to leave it at this. I tell them, you know what, guys, enjoy TikTok because apparently it's cool. it's going to get yanked from you guys in like another month anyway. So that's what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. they're going to have to they're going to have to totally divest themselves of uh, of any Chinese influence over the app or it's going to be gone. But anyway, wouldn't it be fitting that the one time I finally jump in and actually like worry about trying to do TikToks like as it gets eliminated, which has been the whole reason that I haven't done it to this point. It's because I thought it was just going to like blow over. And here we are. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening to Snow the Goalie. Nice. Make sure you follow, you subscribe, you listen, and as we always say, tell two people you know, two Flyers fans in your life about Snow the Goalie. Remember that the uh, video of the episode is always available over on the Crossing Broad YouTube channel. There's a uh, special playlist for Snow the Goalie. I think at some point we're going to spin off our own uh, YouTube feed, our own YouTube channel. We're getting there. That's just part of a process. Now the Super Bowl is over, I think I can actually focus on doing that, but uh, for Ant, you can find on Twitter at Ant San Philly for Bundy at C Terry and Six. I'm Russ at Joy on Broad. Thanks for listening and maybe even watching Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast. We'll talk to you again next week.